Okay, so this is a fun little podcast where we talk to um, game industry legends um, and just people who really have have made a living inside of the game industry. Um, and I have with me um, Jay Armstrong, and my name is Thomas Brush, and I'm the creator of Pinstripe and Once Upon a Coma. If you guys have not played those games, you can take a look at the links in the description below. Um, they're highly acclaimed games. Um, Time Magazine had a really good time with it, and Washington Post was another magazine that had a really good time with the game. So that's just me trying to I guess provide a little bit of credibility to who I am and what this podcast is all about. Now, Jay Armstrong is one of the one of the nicest guys I've ever met. For one, um, I've been thinking about having him on this podcast for like two years. I've been thinking about this podcast for that long, and I knew I wanted Jay Armstrong on this podcast. But Jay just released. Um, I guess it's your first commercial release, correct, Jay? That's correct. Okay, first commercial indie game. Um, and that is called Adventure Pals. So Jay, do you want to explain a little bit about Adventure Pals and who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, so as you said, I'm Jay Armstrong. I'm a co-founder of um, Massive Monster, um, a small game development studio spread kind of across the world. Uh, mm -hmm. We've recently, or we've just literally less than two months ago, put out a game called The Adventure Pals, um, which has also been doing really well. It's, um, it's our first commercial release. Um, super excited about it. We're lucky enough for it to be on um, PC and Mac, but Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch, um, and we Man. did that all as a simultaneous release, uh, which was <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, oh man! Yeah, so the dust is settling now. Um, but the game you play as a young boy on a quest to rescue his dad from being turned into a hot dog. Uh, but fear not, you have your best friend Sparkles, the magical giraffe, who lives in your backpack, yeah. and uh, your pet rock, Mr. Rock. Um, and on it, you go on this huge adventure. Uh, to rescue him and it's kind of like a platforming game wrapped in a kind of RPG light um, experience um, and it's yeah. just full of like wacky characters and a sense of humor and and just like a lot of bright cartoony graphics yeah it's it's super beautiful like I I first saw the game it was two years ago probably when you and I met when we were at where were we were we at PAX when we met PAX in East yeah in Boston yeah, we're yeah we were in Boston um, at PAX East and I saw the game and like my game was next year's because it, we were both with the same publisher. And I looked at your game and I, I honestly, dude, I was like, why, why, why am I signed with this publisher? Because I'm next to this incredible game. Like it was, it looked super beautiful. And what really stuck out to me was like the game feel, like everything was so poppy and snappy. And then my game was kind of, you know, it was it was like a super alpha build at that time. So I don't know. I was but, I was certainly jealous. <laughs> this is I was certainly I, jealous of I what come you in and tell you to stop being so modest. Like we were sort of stood <laughs> by yours, going like, "Oh my god, look at that! That is beautiful." And like people would walk by and they'd be like, "Okay, yeah, that looks like Adventure Time. That looks kind of fun." Oh my goodness, what is this game? Pinstripe. Um, well, and you had the if beautiful you, like camera effects that like kind of we yeah. hadn't. We hadn't put our game into Unity yet, yeah. so it was very flat. But you had all this kind of depth and blurred edges, and and it yeah. just looked like a living storybook, which was also, you know, I've got like you, you're very kind to me in your, your introduction, and, and likewise, I, I really respect you, and I've kind of followed your work for such a long time. So for me, it's awesome to be able to. Um, I mean, we do talk like a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, you and yeah. I kind of chat quite a lot, um, but um, it's nice to kind of sit down and have a conversation about. Um, 
indie game development and the industry and making things and, and hopefully we'll share a few secrets with each other and stuff like that. So thanks for having oh, yeah. me on. Yeah, dude, absolutely. So um, something that a tradition I want to start with this podcast is we drink beer together um, because beer is fun and it makes you have better conversations, at least if you have maybe one or two. Um, so I was wondering, did you bring a beer to the show? I did. Um, and you said to bring your favorite beer. So um, yeah, I'm currently in, in Vancouver in Canada um, and it's a yeah. town that loves its craft breweries. Um, and this is uh, a place that I've visited. It's a really cool place um, called Red Truck Brewery. Um, and okay. this is their lager. So this is Red Truck Lager. Oh, nice. Um, well, I got with me Elysian Space Dust. I don't know if they sell this anywhere. Wow. Like, um, is anywhere that just near. beer? It sounds like a kind of psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it kind of looks like a, it, it kind of looks like a psychotic beer. Like it, 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 it looks like a psychedelic drug. Um, but it's it's just it's a high gravity beer at the very least, you know. It's um so if if I can drink one beer, I'm good. You know, I'm, I've got a nice little buzz going. Oh, nice. Um, but that's that is my favorite beer currently this week. It's super hoppy, um, and it's an IPA. So, dude, do you want to crack them open on on the count of three? I do. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Three, two, one. Oh, oh that's that beautiful. Is a beautiful sound. Yeah, that'll wake you up. Um, it's it's funny. My daughter, she doesn't really wake up to anything. Like my 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 dog will bark like crazy, um, and she won't wake up. But if I crack open a beer, she wakes up immediately. She's like, "Stop having fun, Dad." <laughs> exactly. I think she wants some. Um, anyway, dude, cheers. Cheers. All right. All right. Cheers. Oh, that's good. Okay, so let's talk, dude. I I have so many questions for you that. I mean, they've just been running through my head all day and I'm afraid we might talk for like three hours, but, um, <laughs> and you know, maybe we will, but Janice, clear my schedule. <laughs> Do you have a secretary named Janice in my head? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had it. I wish I had an <laughs> office assistant that could just answer emails for me. Cause I was thinking about it. Uh, I was actually meeting with one of my, my advisors yesterday about making some hires for the company because well, that's exciting. Yeah. So like, it's just me right now. And I, I don't know if that's the case for you right now. Um, so, um, just, yeah, I mean, very briefly, um, we, so massive monsters is myself, um, Jim, and, um, we also work in association with Julian and Julian was the artist on the adventure house. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So like for me, like I, I'm very picky with, with artwork and art style and music and, like, um, if anyone, if you guys take a look at, at Pinstripe or Once Upon a Coma, you'll see that the, the styles are very consistent. Um, the music and the, and the artwork is all very cohesive. I think that's uh, what keeps people coming back. Like they know yeah. it's a Thomas Brush game. Your name's like above the, the, the name of the game. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's, I know yeah, that's, what this experience will be and I want it. Right. Yeah. That's just cause I'm an egomaniac, but, um, <laughs> but really like it's hard for me because I've got to find like. I've got to find some help, but I don't know where to find that help. And I think, I think just filling up position of answering emails, you know, and social media management and having a Janice, um, <laughs> would, would certainly be helpful. I mean, do you ever feel that way? Like you're actually not working on your game. You're just working on your business. Yeah, that's definitely a really tough thing to, to deal with. Um, we have had times where we've kind of had um, say people before they start their university course, um, if they've got a free summer, they've kind of come in and that's, they've been really wonderful. We've been lucky that they've been good people, but they've also been so helpful to do things like oh, good. queue up 
queue up um, like little videos for Twitter every day or like a reset, like if we're going to an event, could you please find out who else is going and try and like give us some email, collect some email addresses. We'll do all the kind of emailing, but if you could just quickly do that for us, I mean, that's really helpful. Um, Just stuff, all those stuff with the kind of the the financials. Um, That's not sort of stuff that I I would be keen to kind of share, (laughs) kind of give someone else control of. (laughs) But yeah, it's a full-time, it's a full-time job running a business, definitely. And and the fact that you're making music, doing art and, um, uh, and coding and making the games and selling the games, I don't know how you find time to, um, to do all of that. I find like having a business partner, um, has been really good um because yeah. a couple of times when i've not been available um they've been able to like jump like there's been an example where recently we had to do all our taxes and it's a huge couple day job and a few things were going on we were trying to get adventure pals finished and he's like look i got this you just finished that's the awesome game. yeah that's so awesome that, that sort of thing is so helpful um but well, you, sorry go ahead no you go ahead no i understand finding a partner and finding someone to work for you are very different things yeah it it really is and and my question for you is to get back to the Adventure Pals, um, you did a simultaneous launch. Now, that means you launched on Nintendo Switch, Xbox, PS4, um, PC and Mac, and that's Steam and GOG, I assume. Yes. Um, dude, that's insane. Like that is, and, and you've got such a small team. I mean, most most indie teams are small, but yours is yours is small. Like, yeah. what 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 did that feel like? What like emotionally? Like, were you like freaking out? Yeah, and I think it wasn't just me. It was <laughs> I think everyone around us was freaking out as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, although, like you know, Armor Games were, were fantastic. There was definitely some co- close calls with um, some uh, like without kind of just trying to be careful with, with what I say in terms of NDAs like we can't obviously we can't announce a release date until we are cleared through yeah. some processes with various platforms and things like that so trying to balance all of those different platforms and then problems that might occur on one thing but not another so we might get through on one thing but not another one but would that hold back the release of, of the first one and um, just trying to balance all of that stuff was really crazy but also um, you know our game was like didn't really kind of all come together as a cohesive unit until very very close like much too far at the end (laughs) Um, so that i was kind of handling that and then uh we had um matt ty who i I know you know very well um doing kind of the technical side and he was just kind of unflappable so he was really kind of a rock for that like he was just yeah he's amazing yeah, yeah he was um delivering builds um and just getting it done and optimizing and across all these different platforms. And yeah. um, so like, I think for, for us, I'm so glad we did do that because I know that, you know, trying to market one version, um, having it everywhere at the same time kind of helps, you know, so if, if I've got it on PlayStation and I tell my friend about it, but he's only got an X, he or she's only got an Xbox, yeah. you know, they, they can then get it. And, and there's no kind of like, oh, they got to wait six months and then they'll forget yeah. about it kind of thing. So, um, I'm really glad we did it that way. Um, I know it was more stressful for some people than for others. And um, <laughs> I, I hope we can do it again that way. But I'm, I'm pretty sure some people will be less keen on us doing yeah. it that way. Yeah. Well, what's your personality like, dude? Are you the guy that stresses out and can't sleep at night? Or are you the guy who's got it all together and tells everybody to calm down? I think I'll, I'm a bit of both, I think. Like in, yeah. internally, I'll be like kind of very stressed out and then there are other things that don't phase me and I kind of go oh my god I should be worrying about this um (laughs) I think there's like a a part of my brain that isn't totally like 
functional in terms of some risks, but other yeah. risks keep me up at night. So yeah. it's, it's very difficult. And I think it's really hard to maintain that like sense of strength, um, yeah, which it is. people need. Like I need someone, when I talk to someone with a problem, I need them to be strong for me. And I then, yeah. when they have a problem, I need to be strong for them. But if I'm if I'm flapping and, and panicked about the thing and they're not there for me, I'm, I can't be there for them. So it's, it's really difficult. Um, but I think like overall, it, it all went pretty, pretty smoothly. Um, we had a long kind of window to get everything together. And it was just kind of, I, I think every launch of a game is, is probably madness in its own, own way. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I think a lot of people don't fully understand why a launch is stressful, especially if you're not involved, like, you're just like, well, just just patch it if it breaks, <laughs> right? You know, and like uh, I had a lot of people, close friends and family, just say, like, this was like two years before I launched Pinstripe. They were like, just launch launch the game, and I had been working on it three years at that point, and I was like, no, 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 like it's not perfect, like I can't launch it, and they're like, why can't you just launch it and patch it later? And I said, because it's like the Titanic, like if you're if you're setting sail, you better hope that there are no holes because this is your one shot. And that's how yeah. important launch is. You have to have a good launch week. Now, things are, I think things are a little bit different, like than like maybe a little different than they were like a decade ago. Because you could, you like if you launched, let's for example, like a PS, what was what, PS2 or PS3 a decade ago, I don't know, or maybe even PlayStation. Um, if you launched a PlayStation game, you better make sure that it was perfect. But now you can patch things. But there still is that sense of, wanting to make sure that it's absolutely perfect because mm. you have to make a splash in the ocean of steam. You know, you've got like 7,000 games released in a year. I think that's what the number was. So yeah. you better make sure that your game is perfect when you launch it. Cause this is your one shot to make a splash. I think that number has gone up oh, pretty it's... significantly now as well. So I, I absolutely agree with you. And, um, you know, you, you see friends and their games come out and they get like a few bad reviews and that puts mm -hmm. off so many people. Um, it does. It really does. How did you kind of, how did you find yours? Because you, I mean, you like your reviews are pretty universally positive as they should be. But yeah. did you were you kind of launching and then patching like every few hours? Because I would say that I kind of had the first patch up within a few hours yeah. of the so, game being out. So this might sound like um, what narcissistic, but I didn't patch any. I didn't need to patch anything. Um, the reason was because. I'm not like you, dude. Like I'm really anxious. Like I get, like I had like pretty bad anxiety for like three years. This was, this was before pinstripe launch. For some reason I got it under control in the most stressful time of my life. But that my anxiety would make me over prepare. So I, w I did so much QA. I, I outsourced a ton of QA. So everything was like, like we basically had a soft launch with beta testers. We had like a couple hundred beta testers test the game and every little glitch that that was that showed up um, I fixed so when we launched the game I wasn't really nervous about glitches I was I did get a crash report and that freaked me out because when you get a crash report in beta testing you're like okay what percentage you know what percentage of the market is this crash um, is it all PCs or is it all Macs what is it um, so I got a crash report but fortunately that didn't affect the launch um, so yeah, like we, we launched and everything was really solid. Um, but it was, you're still like, it's, you're still anxious because when you launch a game, 
you, you've been dreaming, you know, you've been dreaming about this moment for years, right? Right. And, and you hit that launch button and you, and you're not getting reviews in like you get, you have like one review in and you're like, what the hell? Like, is nobody playing my game? And like, by the end of the first week, you, you only have like 20 reviews. Um, and that really freaked me out. Um, fortunately, like I think, I think pinstripe is performing better than most indie games. Um, it's not, it's not like a Toby Fox game. It's not Undertale or anything, but it's, it's performing pretty good. And it's got a nine out of 10, which I noticed you have a nine out of 10 as well on steam, which congratulations. That's a huge achievement. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that first week is, is that was the hardest week of my life. The experience of launching and that roller coaster that you have, um, couple days after we launched and actually i'm sounding very down i'm really happy actually with the way adventure pals is doing and we can come back to that later but yeah um you reached out to me and just went hey man are you okay and (laughs) and i just like unleashed like all this stuff that i've been holding in like oh i feel this way and what was it like for you is this normal like what you know and um that was really powerful of you to do and actually since then i've done that to a couple of other developers oh yeah and i've had similar responses so it's like it's 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 almost like a club like Oh, you've been through that too. I know what you're about to go through. Yeah. Um, I, I know what you're going to go through. I'll be waiting and I'll, 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 I'll have a shoulder right. for you to cry on kind of thing. You know, and I think, I think it has to do with really setting expectations um, because some of the indie developers, including myself, they're, they're, they're still, for some reason, they're riding high off of the indie game documentary, you know, and they're like, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to, yeah, you're still like, like you said, you're like, that won't happen to me. But deep down, you're like, that's going to happen to me. <laughs> right, right. And, and so you're just, you're waiting and waiting and you don't know what to expect. And I think it's important for indie d- developers to know what to expect. You should expect $100,000 in sales, perhaps, in a year. And you're not going to get all that. And if you have a publisher, they're going to take some of it. And that's, that's, that's kind of depressing because it's like, well, how on earth do you survive? And the way that you survive, and that wasn't the case for me. I'm just throwing out a random number. Mm-hmm. But um, the way, like you said, the way that you survive is you keep making games, right? So like the shelf life of a game is, I've heard it's like three years on Steam. Um, they can stay greener you know, for longer, but, but I think three years is probably the shelf life of an indie game where it's given you consistent, like sales numbers that you can predict. Um, now if you can release a game every two years, then eventually you're going to stack up enough games, right? But if you release a game every three years, you're only going to have one game released, um, every three years, you know, and that's not going to work. So the question is, how on earth do you hire somebody and pay them a salary to help you release more games? That's the conundrum. Um, I guess that's the conundrum for any business owner is how do you afford to pay somebody like a legit salary, like a game developer? How do you afford to pay them a salary? I think you need to either put them on points um, or uh, put them on like a project basis where it's like, I'm going to hire you for three months for this project. Yeah. You know, uh, but like just a rolling salary, I think once you're in a position to do that, then you are um, you're right. doing you're doing pretty well. You're up there with yeah. the chucklefishes and the clays of this world. Yep. Which wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, oh yeah. But so you're saying so you're saying the work that you've hired out for Adventure Pals, it was contracted. Yeah, absolutely. So so yeah, so we'd we'd say like, oh, we need help getting these backgrounds done in time. Um, we know just the person to go to, or we we look for people. Um, and then we get in touch and we're like, we, this is the work we'd like to do. 
uh, we'd like to pay you this much. And they come, usually come back like, yeah, that's great. Um, and then yeah. they do it. Um, and it's just like hiring like musicians to write this, the theme tune. But we've, we've, um, we've done that with like a lot of, a lot of the kind of animation and the, sorry, background artwork and, um, a lot of the elements to the podcast. Okay. Um, very good. We haven't actually done any kind of like, you know, we'll give you 5% if you do X, Y, Z. Cause I think that is quite hard, particularly with indie games. Like I think you could either, it's, it's almost a bit irresponsible because you might lead people to believe, Oh, this is going to make $5 million. Uh, and they're like, well, 5% of 5 million. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I think it's, that is kind of a dangerous thing to, or they've, or they've been there and they've seen it and they're like yeah. 5% of nothing. No, thanks. So well, I, I was, uh, I was building out a, sorry to interrupt you. I was, I was building out a um, business plan this week on Monday. I just, I spent five, five or six hours writing out a business plan and I was following a, like a, a template that you, that business owners should be using. And one of the, one of the sections was like projections and the problem with the indie game market and projections or just the video game industry itself and projections is mm. it's so hard to predict because yeah. it's, it's changing constantly. It's always changing. Yeah. So like something I did before pinstripe launched, I was like, okay, if I can get Jack guy to play pinstripe, which he did. And I'm like, if he gets a million views or like 4 million views, you know, cause sometimes he gets 4 million views. Then if I can get 1% of that, I'll be sitting pretty or 2% of that, those views to buy the game, I'll be sitting pretty. So I'd calculate those numbers and I'd tell my wife and I'm like, look, babe, we're going to be okay for the next year. Look how much money we're going to make. Um, and it didn't pan out that way. Yeah. I don't know why. Like Jacksepticeye played the game. Game Grumps played the game. Um, Matt Pat, I believe, I think he played the game. I think he played your game too, right? Matt, Matt Pack? I think that's his name. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he played, he played pinstripe as well. So I had all these YouTubers playing the game and they didn't, they didn't translate to sales. Like I have no idea why. Um, so my point there is that all any sort of projections or predictions about how your game's going to do. Yeah. They just don't really work. And like, you're like, okay, I'm going to get a PC gamer article. Cause I, I had confirmation that PC gamer was going to do a feature that I don't, I have never seen those do that much. Like they, they give it credibility, but yeah. they don't really translate to sales. I found that most of our print articles were before the game, like significantly before the game launched. And then after the game, I think it's so much more exciting to be like, Oh, look at this game that's coming out. It's going to be amazing. And then once it's out, <laughs> they're kind of like, Oh, yeah. look at the next game. It's going to be even better. Yeah. Um, so I think, but, um, we, we've recently had, um, Dan TDM, uh, like as of last week or the week before, um, do a, start a video series on the adventure pass, but we've seen huge, no way. Yeah. We've seen a huge pickup, um, from that. Oh, dude, which has congrats. Been, thank you. Which has been like, not yeah which has been amazing um which is what which is kind of like just not to kind of go like oh you didn't you know oh look at us we we got results from it but right. it just goes to the unpredictability of it because mm -hmm. we're lucky that he did do it and we haven't had all the guys that you've had do it but for some reason he did and it fit with his audience yeah. and um yep. it's three videos so far hopefully he keeps doing it it's been a, it's been a huge boost um it's been yeah. fantastic but wow um but like we couldn't have predicted that we didn't know if he was going to do it we didn't know how many people would do it and um maybe maybe after we record uh we finish recording i can like we can work out the pos 
the transition, the conversion rate for his views. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and but I'm not sure if I can say that on on the the podcast. But right, um, right. Yeah, it's it's been really good, and it's just so hard to know. And the other things are there's so many other variables like um, how long the game's going to take, right? Um, the platform. This is something that's really interesting for, for that I've seen, like going into it blind, not knowing um, the different platforms that well. Like I don't have an Xbox or a PlayStation. I only bought a Switch because the game was coming out on Switch, and I was like, "Oh, it'd be so cool to download the game on launch day," kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. Our game is like so cartoony, so family friendly that P- our Metacritic on PC is much lower than it is say on the switch because on the switch people you know they're, they're star for games like it's yeah it's also co-op so you can use the the, the physical makeup of the switch is, is useful um, yeah. because you can just pop them off and two people can play um but whereas pc market they kind of want serious stuff and deeper mm. kind of things like kind of more rpg kind of um yeah. type of games um darker as well um so seeing the different platforms um is really interesting and seeing like which ones have done better than yeah. others um, is yeah. also something that you you can't write a business plan for that. Like no, when we can't. started the Adventure Pals, the Switch wasn't even a glimmer in someone's eye. Like it didn't exist. And it was, um, and I think they're probably working on it in secret, but we, we never could have known that. Um, so yeah, it's, you just can't, it's just so difficult. And, and it makes it so hard when you're talking with family or with my wife about like, well, what do you think it's going to do? You know how's it going to do like we had this conversation at christmas before launch yeah and i was yeah. like there's a reason i've got a few gray hairs like <laughs> i don't know it's stressful i don't know don't ask yeah. me it's coming out soon well, let's figure it out when it comes most out. people most people in their you know in their jobs they're like okay i'm gonna make fifty five thousand dollars this year like if you're if you're right out of college or something fifty five thousand dollars this year and I have potential to get a 10% raise next year. So that's the, their like internal projection. But for people like you and me, it's like, I could make $10,000 this year or 10 million, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You have no, like, it's so polarized. Yeah. You have no idea how much you're gonna make. And that stresses you out. Like, and I, I have the same conversations with my wife. Like, fortunately, it sounds like your wife is similar to mine where she's she's encouraging and, and will just say like, my, like my wife is like, I don't care how much it makes. Like I'm just happy that you're you're following your dream, um, and that that feels amazing. I mean, she was pregnant last year, yeah. and I was like, we weren't making that much money off Pinstripe, and I was like, I don't know how we're gonna do next year. Um, yeah. I don't know if we're gonna be able to make it, especially with a kid. And she was the one talking me down. You know, I didn't. I wasn't the one who had to tell her to calm down or something. It was me who needed to calm down. And, you know, things, <laughs> that things is so valuable. Out. That is so valuable to have her believe in you. Yeah, um, it's it's an amazing feeling, and uh, it's weird. Once once my daughter Liv was born, like for some reason, all the stress went away. Um, I don't I don't know why. Um, I think once you. Once you bear enough responsibility on your shoulders, like a certain weight of responsibility on your shoulders, it everything suddenly goes void. You just uh, you you don't care anymore. Like I, at least that's the way it is for me. I'm not as stressed as I used to be, even though things are a lot more stressful now, and there's a lot more responsibility now. Why is that? Uh, is that just because you know who you're doing it for, and you're doing it for live, or, or what is it? That- no, I don't know. I think I think it might be instinctual. So. Um, People probably hate me for this, but I listen to Jordan Peterson. He's this like, 
he's this weird like psychologist guy and, and some people think he's too far right or some people think he's crazy but basically his concept is that evolutionarily I don't know if that's a word evolutionarily or instinctually when men and women have responsibility put on their shoulders suddenly they're joyful about it um, when when you're like like the like the sense of being like having, having someone rel- ha- yeah having, having a purpose or having direction. someone rely on you yeah. suddenly the anxiety is gone i've noticed that i've been way more anxious in my life when i don't really feel a purpose and when people aren't relying on me when i'm comfortable and relaxed and everything's going great and i'm drinking beer and i'm i have as much food as i want or as much money as i want and things are going great suddenly i'm anxious and i can't sleep but when things are tight and I have a daughter relying on me, and now my wife is relying on me because she, she's only working part-time now instead of full-time. She's like working a day a week as a nurse. Suddenly I'm not anxious. It's because I just, I don't know, I feel responsible. It's because you have, yeah. Um, yeah, you have a goal, you have a purpose and you have a mission and you're gonna achieve that mission no matter what it takes. Like, I think right. I often see like people, um, so like my wife just finished her PhD and she had, um, and, wow. and we, we've come over to, to stay in Vancouver for a little while. And so she finished her PhD and was looking for a job here. And, um, you know, she's got a PhD. She's going to get a job. It's, it's totally fine. <laughs> and like we, were, we had a budget and we were going to be totally fine. She could take, a, take as long as she needed. But she found it very stressful. And I think it's, and then, you know, I think it's like not ha- having a purpose. So it's like, yep. she, you know, she'd just done something which was so stressful, but it was so fulfilling and, and made her yep. so happy because she was doing something amazing and she was achieving it and she did yep. it. And then it's like you've got free time and in your head when you're working all hours, you're like, I'd love to just kick back and watch like 10 episodes of my favorite box <laughs> set. But if you do that, you're just like, ooh, I feel guilty. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be yeah. doing something yeah. in my life. So I think maybe that, well, that's what it could be. It, it probably is, you know, and there's this person in my life who I won't mention who it is. And this this individual has everything that they want um, and they're comfortable and they spend most of their time just at home alone um and when i say that they have what they want i think they think they do um and they're always stressed about the dumbest things like the laundry or like (laughs) what they're going to eat for dinner like those things for some reason those things stress you out way more i've got this than than like money when when things are tight with money i don't know why it's like the it's like this sick american condition I think maybe it's just like a, a Western condition because um, my mm-hmm. brother and I talk about this a lot and we, we kind of say like your problems are always relative to like the size of your your world. So if, if, <laughs> yeah. if you're sat at home all day and all you have to decide on is what you're having for dinner, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty stressful. That's the only decision. That's, pretty, <laughs> that's the one decision you've got to make. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like things like where the tasks fill like the, the time you have allotted. So even if you've got like, three days it's going to take you three days if you've got an hour you're going to do it in an hour kind of thing so yeah. it's that thing yeah. where like your 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 world really like if, if you've got you know you've got your wife and your daughter and you need to provide for them by this amazing business that you've started and you're you know succeeding in um that's like that's purpose that's drive and and you're doing something and you're you're achieving it and so yeah. little things you don't have time to worry about what's for dinner so i don't care i'll make a sandwich whatever it's not important yeah this is what's important well, exactly i mean it <laughs> Did you, before you were married, you were running, you were running Massive Monster, correct? Uh, yes. 
how did did you have a like a shift in mentality when you got married? Like did 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 the purpose of Massive Monster or the point of your career shift at all? I'm not saying it should. I just I don't know. No, it's it's a good question. Um, so Fiona and I have been together just over ten years, um, and we've been married oh, wow. for a little less than two. Okay. So I was living with her for for years. Okay. Um, but I I think like as I mentioned, she was sort of doing a PhD. So a lot of the the kind of she she had to travel to Africa a lot for that. Um, so a lot oh, cool. of the kind of um, more risks were kind of went on while she was kind of away. <laughs> like we yeah. kind of took on various works and things, and I kind of got them done before. So, so that it wouldn't kind of be, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's, um, if that's a good answer, but I, I would say, no, that, yeah. yeah. So I, I would think that maybe if, if we, when, when we have a kid, I think that will definitely like crystallize a lot of things. Um, right. Exactly. And for, for me, like the, this thought process of thinking my identity would be lost when I got married or my identity would be lost when I had a kid. This is what gave me like this massive sense of urgency um, when I was younger, cause I, like, I, I knew I wanted to be a, like a, own a video game company. Like I, that was my dream and I knew I wanted to do that. Um, but the moment I got married and then like, the moment I had a kid, I was like, that was all wrong. Like <laughs> I was wrong in thinking that I would change because that's just who I am. I'm a game developer deep down. I, I like to tell stories. But you, you, you maybe, know? maybe you met the the right person who would yeah. support you in what you did. You might, maybe you met someone who's like, nope, time to, you know, become a doctor now. <laughs> Put away <laughs> your you computer. Know that, right, exactly. And that's, that's what kind of makes me think like, it really is important who you surround yourself with as an entrepreneur. Mm, um, definitely. I, I, I've, uh, I've been really intentional lately about I, I like I met this guy he's like this really successful restaurant owner he owns a bunch of pizza places in my city um and he's like super successful and I met him at the pool and I and I was like I want to get to know this guy so I I just texted him I got his number from a friend and I texted him I was like I want you to tell me how you made money and like my whole thought process there is it doesn't matter what business they're running whether it's an indie game studio or, or a pizza company, like you, you need to make sure that you're spending time surrounding yourself with people who are successful, beca mainly because how you grade yourself is relevant hmm. to who they are and their grade. Yeah. So like, let's say this guy is like, I, I would give this guy an A plus because he's, he's really successful. He's running these businesses and he's not stressed out and he has a family. Like he's a su successful guy. If I didn't know this guy, I would grade myself as an A plus, but now I'm an A, you know, or an A minus. And that's important because I want to grow and I want to, I want to become an A plus. And I think that's why it's important to, to spend time with people, especially with people like you to, to grow from them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They say you're the, sum of the four people or the five people you hang out with the most. And if, if you, mm -hmm. if you know, if you're listening to this, think of the four or five people you hang out with the most and you know, you, that is absolutely true. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% true. Um, yeah. And, um, it's great that you can do this sort of podcast and, you know, get people on, um, who've had experiences and, and are doing things that you, you know, not including myself, but like people who are much more successful and kind of find out their secrets and just kind of, you know, get to know them. And, and yeah, like you say, grade yourself against them. And that that's really good kind of uh, way to push yourself. Um, I was fine. Like yeah. whenever you have a problem, the best thing to do is find someone smarter than you <laughs> and ask them to help you. 
and that exactly, is like, it's so simple. Like just, just do that. Um, yeah. Now is the, is there anyone, Jay, is there anyone that you reached out to prior to launching Adventure Pals, like an indie game developer or, um, a studio of some kind, um, to, to help you know how to launch your game? Yes. Um, well more just like general, just like I kind of, similarly to you like i kind of try to make a rule of um finding successful game developers and trying to have a beer with them or a cup of coffee or, or lunch or, or something whatever i can do yeah. um so i've 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 met and i was i was kind of saving this to the this, the cheat codes bit at the end but yeah. i've met like a, a bunch of developers um through events um but also whenever i move to an area the first thing i do is like find out who's in the area making games and then send them an email and yeah. Um, you know, the really cool thing is that if they're not too busy, they will, they will get back to you. Um, so they really will. They want to help you. Yeah. Successful people want to help people. I don't know why. Cause you, <laughs> you would, you'd think really successful, wealthy people are like assholes, <laughs> right. but they, they want to help you, which is crazy. Sure. And I think they probably remember what it was like, or they had someone else do that mentor role. Um, I think you like, you know, you've made it when someone asks you to be their mentor. Um, oh, yeah. so yeah so i mean like I've reached out to a bunch of people um i uh had lunch with jamie from uh, from clay um and he was just fantastic i i as i said i'm currently in vancouver I, I sent him an email um he just like got back to me straight away and was like sure let's have lunch um wait who is this jamie who jamie cheng from clay so I see that my listeners probably know who that is. I don't know who that is. Sorry. Who is that? Yeah. Sorry. I'm just, I was just like, so like excited about it. I didn't think to, to that no one, no one else would know. <laughs> so Jamie Chang started clay, uh, with, a, with, uh, one or two other people, I believe. Um, they, mm -hmm. um, they put out don't starve, um, uh, along with, dude, you met that guy. Yeah. Along with Mark oh, of yeah. the Ninja, invisible ink, um, a whole bunch of stuff. And that, that, like that That's company awesome. is like, my like that would be that's where i want massive monster to be like that they are yeah. fantastic they have great things like no crunch um they put out amazing content that's interesting and always you know they wouldn't you know just put out another platform or another top-down roguelike they they like they're always creating something interesting and compelling and like speaking with him that is one of the things that they do they they have tons of ideas that they'll just chuck out because it's not interesting it's not innovative um yeah. and one of the most important ways to get noticed is to do something interesting um yeah but yeah are I mean, there like, any things are there any things when you met with with um what was his name jamie when you yeah. met with jamie did you leave the the lunch or whatever like like thinking I'm doing it all wrong. Like I'm totally <laughs> missing the boat. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's good. You know, totally. Like I learned more from him in an hour and a half than I did like three years of running my own business. Like really like he, like I think pretty quickly he realized I wasn't some like big shot game developer, but I was kind of <laughs> on my way up kind of thing. I, I think yeah. like maybe the email I'd sent him was a little, like a little bit like upping myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> but he was brilliant. Like he, he was so much fun and I like so grateful he took the time out, but I learned so much about how to run a game development business in literally like an hour and a half. Um, yeah. and he really told me a few things that made me understand a few things about the way we've been doing things about the kind of numbers we've been thinking of, um, and budgets and things like that. And kind of really gave me kind of a, a serious grounding. Although obviously he's in a, a, a huge, like much, much bigger league, but I, you know, he's such a great guy. It turned out we went to rival schools. Um, so like that, 
No way. Yeah, in, back in Hong Kong, he went to. I went to West Island School, and he went to Island School. Um, D- dude, you went to school in Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So. I was, oh man, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was born in Hong Kong. I didn't move to England until I was sixteen. Um, but I've got British parents. What? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so this is something I wanted to talk to you about. Why Canada, right? You're living in Canada right now, or you're staying in Canada, right? I'm currently staying in Canada, but okay. I'm Brit- I, live in, I live in the UK. Okay, yeah. So can we talk about why you went to Canada? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so it just, it just goes back to um, wanting a little bit of a change. Um, I was um, working from a kind of a small cramped office in the south of England um, and it was brilliant for a while um, but it did get it did kind of like kind of got a bit old and yeah. um, we were working with some of the guys who were local there um, other developers and we that sort of arrangement kind of fell apart a little bit so I wasn't able to see them so much which was also kind of a good thing to be in the area yeah. um, and and as I said my wife finished her PhD and rather than her getting another job in the UK we thought why don't we take the opportunity to travel around a little bit and, and go see yeah. a bit more of the world. We've been in, so I, as I said, I was born in Hong Kong. I moved to the UK at 16. I've got British parents, British passport. Um, and then, so I spent 15 years in the UK and that was kind of having been outside the UK. I knew that there was kind of a lot more out there that I wanted to see. It's a big world, you know, um, yeah. and being fortunate enough to like travel to places in support of the game um, to various locations and stuff, um, expos yeah. and things like that. Um, and, and again, my wife also, she was desperate to kind of go traveling or backpacking. Um, but because Adventure Pals wasn't finished, that wasn't something I could, I could really do. So we thought, right, why don't we move somewhere for a while, um, set up shop somewhere where we can do those things, but kind of ha- I can work during the week. And um, yeah. so like I know a lot of people do what's called digital nomading, where they move to say Thailand and they work on their laptops from the beach um that was something we thought about but that sounds so cool yeah but that would mean that she'd have to take kind of a a career break just as she finished her phd yeah so we found we kind of looked into it and we thought about different places and we found um uh vancouver uh where so she works in the kind of environmental uh field just to kind of quick quickly explain it um so here there's a huge amount of like industry for that it's very very environmentally conscious there's a lot of um, NGOs and companies and things here that's yeah. good for that plus um, there's a huge indie game scene in Vancouver it's, it's amazing um, oh got, I know I was going to talk about that right 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 so we can get onto that in a, in a, in a set yeah. for sure but it's also um, incredibly beautiful like you can kind of you know there, there's so much wildlife here it's um, it's just an amazing part of the world and we moved at the beginning of the winter and my goodness it almost broke us like it was just raining non-stop and we thought we're from the UK. We can we can handle rain, not not like they have it in Vancouver. It's a little different. Wow. Yeah, but the summers are here now, and it is blazing hot, and it is incredible. So we're we're really happy here. We might have yeah. to move along again soon. Um, and obviously, our family's base is still in the UK, yeah. and Massive Monster is still based in the UK. So well, you know, I th- I think that a lot of um, like indie game lovers would be surprised by how many games come out of Canada. Um, it's wild. Like a lot of my indie game friends are from Canada and they, they, their studios are, they're funded by the government. I think that's right. In a lot of ways. Yeah. So it depends. What's that all about? It depends which state or province you're in. Mm -hmm. So I I can't remember which one it is, but some of them 
offer things like up to 50% of your employees' salaries back in tax credits. Um, <laughs> that's I wild. I think that's Toronto. Um, and then there are other, all sorts of crazy, like amazing program, um, funding things for game development that, that, are, that are based here, um, yeah. which is just so good. And so, yeah, so like I mentioned, um, Clay, who made Don't Starve It Here, also uh, Matt Thorson's here, who made um, Towerfall, of course, and Celeste. Um, and I mean, those are just kind of the two that popped to my head, but there's also a bunch of mobile phone game developers like Hothead Games um, and others that are all based in Vancouver, which is a tiny city. Um, so it's a really cool place to be if you're making uh, yeah. video games. And so they have meetups like Full Indie, um, which if anyone's here, I reckon, definitely recommend you can go. Like I went along kind of by myself, so like kind of didn't know quite what to do. Um, you know, I didn't know anyone. And then I kind of pulled out the Adventure Pals and everyone kind of flocked around and it was fantastic. I got to meet lots of people. <laughs> um, I think like if you, like until people see your game, they don't really know, you know, is this guy for real or not? Like, is he, well, yeah. you know, so at least I, I got that out and that was great. Um, and then recently we uh, had Twitch Vancouver where the Adventure Pals was also featured and um, that was full of amazing people as well. Um, so I got to meet a whole bunch of people there as well. So like, it's 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 great. Like there's there's a lot of, indie game stuff happening up here yeah so you're you're um you're a well-traveled guy you you've been in the north america um europe and then you grew up in asia which is wild you want to tell me about hong kong yeah i mean hong kong was just a brilliant place to to grow up in um yeah it was uh it's really it's i think it's really different now um my parents are still there um and they they tell me that it's it's different it's a different place now like when i was there it was kind of yeah, that's um, what I've heard. Yeah, right. So the handover was in 97, um, and I was born in 86. So I had um, like a good 10, 11 years of growing up there. Although we had a year or two in, in Lhasa in Tibet, um, where my parents, they, they're kind of, they kind of like to travel around as well. Um, they ran like the Holiday Inn in Lhasa in Tibet. Um, what? That's awesome. I was a toddler in Tibet, and I had like, I had blonde hair, and all the locals would like touch my hair. Um, <laughs> who's this white guy yeah exactly what, awesome. what is this crazy he's like he looks old but he's a baby what why has he got white hair um so that was yeah that was really cool um so yeah so it's a brilliant place to, to grow up like it's it's very like technology tech uh tech advanced very international i went to an international school mm-hmm. um most of my friends were um from all over the world um really from all over the world so i think my my best friend for a while was malaysian i had a friend from nigeria um i had my dutch best friend as well for a while um and you know from from obviously from hong kong as well so it mm-hmm. was an amazing kind of melting pot um so when i went to the uk it was it was a bit of a um culture shock um where it's a much less integrated society um you know and may, maybe i was fooling myself a little bit because it was an international school so really it was a a Western environment, um, yeah. but it was it was very bizarre coming to uh, the UK where there's a very different attitude, or at least in the school that I went to, towards people from uh, different countries and different backgrounds and things like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, and then um, it's it's a great it's a lot of fun. You can get up to loads of trouble when you're when you're a kid as well because you know it's very <laughs> safe. Like there's great transport, so you can go off have beach parties and sneak into bars and do all sorts of fun, you know, stuff. And I just kind of tinkered and tinkered and tinkered. And I, I, I decided like, wouldn't it be fun if I could make a game? Um, nothing more than that. And I made a game and I discovered while I was making it that you could um, auction these games on a website called FGL, which is still around. Um, but you would put your game out there and people would 
bid on it. And it was very exciting because it was real money and, and the bids would go up and there'd be a bidding war. And oh my Why goodness. don't I know and, about this? I did not do this. You did this. not know about this? Oh my God. No, oh. FGL? FGL. I was just into Newgrounds all day. Ah, well. Like could, that's where I was launching my stuff. Well, you, What's, could, what? you still launch, but this is how you found a sponsor. Oh my goodness. I was such an idiot. Dude, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always way behind. <laughs> um, well, I think this must have been back in like 2011 or something like that. Um, so it might have been like something... I can't remember when Coma was, but it might have been after. That was tw- 2000, 2009. But yeah. the thing is, the sponsors flooded in regardless. You know, when I when I launched on Newgrounds, um, like I remember, oh, dude, it was the best feeling in the world. I got an email from, I think it was Armor Games, and they were like, and which they published Pinstripe, and they also published um, Adventure Battles. I think they emailed me, and they're like, "We'll pay you a thousand bucks to to do an exclusive sponsorship." Or like a a non, it was I I think it was a non-exclusive, and I was like, I was like, yes, right away, yes. And so they paid me, and I I went to the pool with my friends, and I got I was like I was eighteen, I was like, guys, I just got a thousand bucks for selling a game, and they thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I think that's that's the moment for me when I was like, this is what I want to do because what's (laughs) this is what's crazy is like I was in a band, and I got the same sort of rush of being on stage playing for people. Yeah. When I got that check, yeah. I was like I'm this I'm kind of a rock star. Like I'm a rock star like an indie I'm an indie artist but in a different way. Right. Um is that how you felt? I feel like it's exactly the same thing and like can running or not running because obviously we're we're partners but like doing the company it feels like it's still the band. Like it's 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 a continuation from managing the band and like trying to get shows and get things organized and yeah. having creative people who inspire you and um, um so yeah i mean it's 100 percent the same thing I, I see it as like a direct continuation um yeah from that so it was it was in your teenage years when you realized you wanted to be a game developer uh wait hang on no it was uh very early 20s i think like well, basically where i didn't okay. want to be a game developer when i made that first game and then i i made money out of it and i was like <laughs> okay well i'm gonna still carry on like pursuing what I'm going to do. And I didn't, like, after the band, I didn't really have a clear direction. I kind of thought, right, right, I did a, a degree in government politics. Like, I, maybe I could be some kind of uh, think tank. or, or... So I, I was pursuing a PhD, and I got funding for that. And then um, I sold another game. And at that point, I deferred my place and canceled it. <laughs> and I was like, right, this is me. I'm going to do this. Um, but yeah. there was a moment when I was having dinner with uh, Fiona and um, so she has become my wife since and um, she just kind of said to me like what why don't you just do this why don't you just do the games and this like intense feeling of like stress came over me and I think it was just me going yeah why don't I do this I could just like (laughs) yeah like why I'm such an idiot why didn't I think of this like obviously this is what I should do Um, it's crazy how that happens dude like for me so many missed opportunities or at least opportunities that were right in front of my face. It took me like two years to, to actually pursue them. Um, and like the fact that I missed out on this FGL thing just baffles me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, but, to, to be fair to you, it was a good way to meet sponsors. So I think I did one game on that. And then yeah. after my second game, I just went directly to the sponsors and said like, this is the game. Um, and yeah. I think one of them said like, put it on FGL and we'll bid it. And the other right. one was like, I'll just give you an offer right now. And yeah. I was like, that offer will do. Thank you very much. Well, Jay, explain, explain what a sponsor is for the listeners who don't 
know that era. Yeah, perhaps. right. So the Flash gaming um, ecosystem was kind of uh, full of like people who just kind of had access to uh, a program called Flash where they could kind of very easily make games with like and learn their craft as they went. And I think this has been so valuable to, to developers like me and, and you as well. And um, a lot of the people who are now making indie games. Um, but what would happen is you'd create this game and a uh, company such as, um, I'm just trying to think, Armour Arma Games, obviously we should mention them because they are yeah. publishers for our, for our- Newgrounds, Newgrounds and Con Games, right. Congregate. Sure, those guys would then pay you a certain amount of money to put their- yeah. Um, logo at the beginning of the game and what that meant is that your your game was essentially an advertisement for their website so it would drive yeah. traffic to their website and because this was kind of at the very either before mobile gaming really took off or like at the very beginning of it people to play games would go to these websites and they would sit in like when they should be in IT class or whatever like playing yeah. these little games I um, want to hear in the comments whoever's if any of you were was the student, like the high school student who would play games in the library before class started, yeah. like I did, um, please let me know in the comments because there, it was just, it was such a nostalgic time. Yeah. Like for me, like I would get to school early and I think you're a little bit older than me, but like I would get to school early, you know, and you'd play a flash game where like you, you shoot Osama bin Laden and then, <laughs> and then you hang out in the library and read manga or something like that was like what every teenager did, or at least, you know, the nerdy teenagers like, like I was. Right. Um, you'd get on addictinggames.com and, or tgames.com was, was super fun. I don't know if you ever went to tgames, but tgames, tgames was like this super, like their brand was so distinct. It wasn't like going to indie game or, uh, addictinggames.com and seeing like this plethora of like random crap. tgames was like one or two developers and they made these skateboard games. Like you could skateboard. They also made a bicycle game where oh, you rode cool. a bike. Nice. It was kind of like a trials game, but they had a brand that looked very, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but I think there was, it was like a European company. Like they were based in, in like London or Scotland or something. And they, it looked very medieval. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just really classy looking and their colors were always green and brown and gray. Um, what happened though was they were like the one website where everything was consistent and it was like it was like a badge of honor for flash games like these guys make flash games and they're very very good what happened is they i think they sold out just like you and i sold out in a way you know we we they were like they got money waved in front of their face and they sold i think they sold to a a company and then immediately like a week later after they sold 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 out to a company it basically turned into a congregate or an addicting games where just a bunch of games would appear on the site, just crap games. You know, the majority of addicting games games were pretty crappy. Um, but that was like, that was like a huge high point in my life. I was in middle school at the time actually. Um, and just being able to play those games for free with your friends sort of sitting over your shoulders on these clunky computers was a special <laughs> feeling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And there each, and there were so many ideas as well. So many cool ideas. Um, and it's so cool yeah. that like so many of the people who were making those things are now, now kind of making console stuff. Like the, it kind of says something that, you know, your, you, Como is, it, you know, started its life as a flash game. Adventure Pals yeah. started its life as a super, super adventure Pals. never give up. Started its life as a, give up yeah. give up two as a flash game and like take for example on the switch snipper clips 
Um, that's that's made by um, Tom Van and his brother, and they were the Super Flash brothers, um, and they started out in Flash games, you know. And it's it's really cool that this this kind of has kind of gone on to to be indie games, kind of as we know it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and and the amazing thing about it as well is you you get to make a game every two or three months from start to finish, and you learn so much from that. Um, <laughs> you learn so much and. Um, you know, I'm sure if you go back and you look at your early games, you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? And, and yeah. we're kind of lucky to have that like learning cycle where it's like, okay, I'm making this, now I'm going to make this. Okay, well, that didn't work. Next game. You know, and you, within a year, you put out four or five games um, and they'd all like, you know, you'd be learning from that. And that kind of informs yeah. the games that we make today. And um, I think yeah. if I was trying to start now going from nothing, from zero to console games, Oh, That'd be dude. a huge like educational gap and experience yeah, gap. Exactly. Well, and what's cool, and then we can move on to cheat codes. What's cool yeah. is is flash games are like the perfect prototype. Um, yeah. They don't take a long time, like maybe three months to work on. For me, I think it took me six months to make Coma, uh, but that was like while I was in school. Yeah. So like you know, you release this game, and then you can get a feeling of whether it's a viral, if it has a virality to it. You know, um, you could figure out if it's actually being enjoyed. The problem with, with Pinstripe, for example, which was not a Flash game, it was just a game that I wanted to make. I spent five years on it and it was a huge risk because I had, there was no prototype. There was no, I wasn't converting a Flash game into a, into a Steam game or a console game. So the risk, I was lucky because it was actually successful, but it was a super risky move to make. But I mean, because... I see so much of what you did in, in Coma and, um, yeah, I'm black. Sorry, I'm blanking. There, there was another one. Skinny. Skinny. Yeah. Um, in pinstripe. Like I see, yeah. I see what you've learned and you've put it yeah. into pinstripe. Definitely. I mean, like there wouldn't be a yeah. pinstripe if there wasn't Coma and skinny. That's true. That's true. There is a, a distinct style, uh, I guess that I did learn when I was doing flash games. Um, that's true. So that's, this portion of the podcast now for those of you who are listening and you want to listen to the remaining portion of the podcast and that portion is called cheat codes head on over to the, my patreon page um, you can click the link in the description head on over to the patreon page and subscribe um, there's a, a tier i think it's probably t i haven't even launched the patreon page as i'm recording this but it's probably going to be a ten dollar or a fifteen dollar tier if you subscribe as a patreon supporter um, you can actually listen to the remaining portion of this podcast and this is a huge part of the podcast and this is called cheat codes and cheat codes are basically three cheats that jay is going to give to you about what he has learned in the indie game industry and these are things that that a lot of us don't actually know about but that once you figure them out they actually give you a leg up in the industry so thank you guys for listening so much. Um, please click the like button, subscribe button, um, and feel free to comment in, this, in the comments below. And Jay and I will answer as many questions as we can. Thank you.